I am Citizen 44. Hello? Hello, Dad? Yes? What are you doing? Dad? What? What are you doing? I was just getting up to blow my nose. How you feeling today? I'm feeling all right. Did you take the dog over to Ralph's this morning? Yes, I did. Did you have them heat up your uh, dairy product this time? I've been getting it heated. It's delicious. What have you been doing? Not much. I've had the house to myself because Rich is in uh, Nashville, so just pretty much hanging out in my bedroom, reading Harry Potter, nothing exciting. He's coming home tonight, and I'm supposed to start driving the taxi, I think, tomorrow at 5 a.m. Are you excited? I'm not excited about getting up at 4.30 in the morning. No, not really. Oh, why? Well, because that's really early. so nice. No, that's really early. I'll get used to it. What's the weather there in L.A.? Well, this morning when I walked, it was 47, but the sun's out. supposed to rain this weekend. It's been raining and a little snowy since I've returned to Oregon. Oh, so it's cold. Oh, yeah, it's winter. It's going to be cold here. It's cold in the wintertime. There's no getting around it. Yeah. Well, it's still cold here, but I mean, it's not freezing, but it's cold. I'm sure it's colder there, though. Yeah, it's definitely colder here. 30s or the 40s? Uh, it is right now. Drum roll, please. It's 34 degrees right now. Uh, 34 degrees? Yeah. That's two degrees from freezing. Yeah, that's your favorite weather, isn't it? I hibernate in that weather. Yeah. I wouldn't go outside. Guess would have to poop in the house. That would not be fun for you to have to deal with. No, it would not. He went outside, he pooped snowballs. I had a lot of fun with the family over the weekend there. Mom's 80th birthday. She was absolutely surprised that she was surprised. And uh, I think that all went really well. It did. It was fun to have us all at Gus's restaurant. Not your dog's restaurant, but the other Gus's restaurant. And it was nice to see Julie. That was a nice send-off. And... uh, just good times, good times with the family. Yeah, it was. It's nice having you guys here. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dad. I just yeah. wanted to check in, say hello, and see what you guys were doing today. What's Mom doing? Hold on. Nick? Hola. Hola, mamacita. I wanted to say thank you for including us in your 80th birthday. It was a lot of fun. You know what, kid? Thanks for being born so I could have an 80th birthday. Yeah. I feel blessed that you guys all came out here. It was awesome. We all had a good time. Happiest of birthdays again to you, Mom. 80 years. I hope you get another 80 out of it. Thank you. So what's the best thing about being 80, and what's the worst thing about being 80? If you have a minute, I'll read you what was sent to me. Okay. What you want to know about 80. Life Begins at 80 by Frank Laubach. I have good news for you. The first 80 years are the hardest. The second 80 are a succession of birthday parties. Once you reach 80, everyone wants to carry your baggage and help you up the steps. If you forget your name or anybody else's name or an appointment or your own telephone number or promise to be three places at the same time or can't remember how many grandchildren you have, you need only explain that you are 80. Being 80 is a lot better than being 70. At 70, people are mad at you for everything. 
At 80, you have a perfect excuse, no matter what you do. If you act foolishly, it's your second childhood. Being 70 is no fun at all. At that age, they expect you to retire to a house in Florida and complain about your arthritis, and you ask everybody to stop mumbling because you can't understand them. Actually, your hearing is about 50% gone. If you survive until you are 80, everybody is surprised that you are still alive. <laughs> they treat you with respect just for having lived so long. Actually, they seem surprised that you can walk and talk sensibly. So please, folks, try to make it to 80. It's the best time of life. People forgive you for anything. If you ask me, life begins at 80. Congratulations. It is a milestone. You even have a 60th wedding anniversary coming up this year. Yeah, if I could make it to 60 years, wow. That's something in this day and age, 60 years of marriage. Thank you, thank you, my love. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Glad to have you still here, Mom. Me too, honey. Well, Mom, you have a great day today. Thank you. Are you recording this? Yes, I am. Hey, everybody. Mark Ahrensberg here. Welcome to Citizen 44. This is show number 64. On today's show, I have my friend and second timer, Mr. Dan Elster. Dan is a local resident here in Ashland, Oregon, and makes his living and feeds his passion through his wildlife photography. Dan is just a super nice guy, family man, good father, loves taking pictures of wildlife, and not only loves taking pictures of wildlife, clearly has a unique connection with our furry and feathered friends out there among us. I believe they've let him know firsthand that they're paying attention to him as much as he's paying attention to them. We've got a really big show today. You just heard my mom and dad, super stoked to reconnect with them and get them on the show. My sister, Rachel Sunday, is going to drop in and give us an update on her nonprofit organization, The Power of a Shower, that's going around LA giving those folks who do not have proper shelter opportunity to shower, get cleaned up, and feel like they're cared about. We also have Lucky Doug Fergus checking in. He's going to talk to us about making some new music and recording. We got producer Rich Reese, excited to talk to him and get caught up. We're also going to talk to office mate and filmmaker friend Gary Lundgren about his new movie coming out, Phoenix, Oregon. We also will debut the first audio trailer for his new movie. First time, here only on the Citizen 44 with Mark Ahrensberg show, the trailer, the audio trailer for Phoenix, Oregon, Gary's fourth movie. That's what we have. We got a lot of those people and we're doing those things. So let's get right to it. Hey buddy, it's been a long time. Flunkerton. That's from The Office, by the way, Flonkerton. Oh. Did they do it in the English Which office? Version? I only watched the English version. Did they do that where they had the Office Olympics? I don't think so, no. Ah, see? Not as good. Well, British Office only ran two seasons. Oh, yeah, the other one that you think sucks went um nine years. So well, somebody liked it. you know, the masses loved it. Okay, well, the masses also didn't hang out in Great Britain and become uh, accustomed to all the nuances that I can't understand. Right. 
right. The humor's a bit different. You know, the British humor is a bit drier. And... Yeah, I don't think it's that funny. Ah, uh, well. I, that's not true. I mean, I was a huge fan of what was the. Oh, know. Marty, Monty Python. Yeah, Marty Python. Python. <laughs> Those guys. <laughs> Yeah, love them, yeah. love them. I think you heard my mother just turned 80. So yeah, wow. Myself and the kids and my sister and her husband and her daughter and my mom and dad celebrated the 80th birthday of my mother. Wow. Was it a fun party? It was fun. We went to one of those murder mystery dinners over right. at Burbank in some hotel. And mm -hmm. my mother and father were the funniest people there. I couldn't believe my father came out with a heckle that was really brilliant. And then my mother just blew people away. Really? Yeah, it was really like, wow, these are my parents. Wow. I mean, most of the time they're, you know, my parents. This is show number 64, and this is the second show with wildlife photographer, local resident, Dan Elster. Beautiful. 2.0, Dan Elster 2.0. Great guy. He's releasing a book mm -hmm. this summer, his first book. Wow. Very exciting, called uh, Wild Animals and Wild Places. Wow. What are you doing? I went to Europe for nine weeks. What'd you do there? Did a tour with Zach and Dylan of the Zemed Brothers Band. Oh, the Everly the Brothers, Everly Brothers experience, experience. Which I recently saw, and now I get it. Now you get it. I get it, man. Yeah. I get the Smothers Brothers, sick, talented, yeah. ridiculous, amazing performers, funny boys. Yes. Who are out there killing it as much as they want to. And uh, you can check them out at the everlybrothersexperience.com. They do about 170 shows a year. We went over and did 11 shows in Ireland, which was just out of this world. The Irish people just went crazy for them. Finished up the tour in France, and then I uh, stayed in England for a while. I just saw them in uh, Wairika, little community theater. Yeah, that was a good little What room. a great show, man. Thank you. Some of the nicest people I know. Humble. No ego. Zero. Zero. Doesn't exist. Nope. Those guys are going to be doing this for a long time. They spring from... Adrian Zamed, who was on this show mm. last year. Co-star of the 80s TV show T.J. Hooker. T.J. Hooker. With William Shatner. Yeah. James Tiberius Kirk. He was in Greece too. He was in Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks. Yeah. Go to everlybrothersexperience.com. Find where you live and then go find a place where they do that. And then you can see what I saw. They really pay tribute to some fantastic music. They're like the modern day Gibb brothers. They really are. <laughs> and, and speaking of the Gibb brothers, yeah. you and I have kind of taken a dip into the love pool of the Bee Gees lately. Oh, the Bee Gees, my And uh, we can't say enough about their music. I can't get enough of the Bee Gees. Can't I, get enough. They've always been one of my favorite bands. They're incredible. You've had some internal work that you've been doing lately. Yeah. You've gone through stuff and things. Oh, I've gone through a lot of things. People yeah. and yes. experiences and revelations yes. and awareness and all kinds of fun, fun stuff, yes. fun stuff. Oh, man, what a journey. How do you feel today? I feel pretty wide open today. As you know, I recently did a plant medicine ceremony. It was a journey of love, and what is revealed is just extraordinary. What is your number? You're a four in what kind of a thing? What's that oh, thing? Oh, the Enneagram. What? <laughs> Enneagram. Enneagram? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just learning about it. It's a test to find out what uh, personality type you are. There's nine. It's a very, very useful tool in self-realization and self-discovery because it has literally changed my life being able to identify with this. The Enneagram test. I'm, I'm looking it up. Enneagram from the Greek word means nine, meaning something written or drawn is a model of the human psyche, which is principally understood and taught as a typology of nine interconnected personality types. So E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M, look that up 
and you'll see the nine personality types. There's some sacred geometry mm -hmm. involved. Maybe it'll just give you a little insight. It certainly mm. did for me. And you have to be incredibly honest yeah. and it can be absolutely life-changing because it's, it's very accurate, man. I'm a four, which is a very challenging number to be, the four. What, what, is, Oof, what does the four, four represent? The four is the artist. Some of the darkest people in history were fours, you know, Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, man. Some How'd they get on There's some dark ones, test. man. Oh, I know. How did they take the test back then? Well, they had a piece of parchment <laughs> and a, a quill, mm -hmm. and somebody said, here are the questions. Answer them. Yeah. Speaking of E-words, here's your second word for today. <sighs> Equanimity. The key to happiness and inner peace. The, yes. the word equanimity means, and I learned this from a female Buddhist monk mm -hmm. at the Buddhist monastery here in Ashland, Oregon, and the word means the ability to remain calm and reasonable no matter what. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite Buddhist sayings is, be comfortable no matter what. And that's what equanimity is. Yeah. And it is something we can all achieve through work. Equanimity now. Mm. Equanimity now. Hippocrates said back in 1982. I remember I was. <laughs> Let thy food be thy medicine, and thy medicine be thy food. Let thy food be thy medicine, and thy medicine be thy food. Love yourself enough to eat well. That is self-love right there. I'm not gonna say should. I'm not gonna should you. <laughs> no shoulding. But we need to start taking full responsibility for everything that we do. Yeah. And for each other. And it's a guarantee. There is no doubt in my mind that the outcome is fantastic. I believe you. Great to see you, Rich. Appreciate you being a part of this experience and uh, being a brother. Thanks, brother. Much love, man. Love you too. You too. Cheers. Bye-bye. Dan Elster 2.0, what's up? Yeah, yeah, what's up, Mark? You were show number what? I want to say in the first 10. Yeah, you're in the first 10. The latest one I listened to, she is a music producer. Sylvia Massey. Yes, I was on my way to an art festival in Humboldt County, and I listened to the whole thing. And I heard myself on your birthday show. I'd completely forgotten Oh, about that's that. right, you called in. Your show number five. Show number five, bam. Back when I lived in LA, my friend Scotty and I, anytime there was a numerical question between us, we would just say five. Hey, how long ago was it we did that? Five years ago. Everything was five. You know what I found out recently? What's that? Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David do the same thing. Everything is five years ago. Everything's five, huh? It's five. Hmm. Do you have any number stuff at all? 23 and 12. Recently, I took a silhouette shot of a red-winged blackbird. I couldn't think of a name for it. I decided to call it Silhouette 23. And I have other titled photos. Speaking of your photos, this is show 2.0. We've talked about your life living in Chicago and managing to escape that, then come to Southern Oregon and go after your real passion. The pursuit I probably was put on this earth to do. <laughs> well, you clearly have a special relationship with animals and capture incredible images that clearly demonstrate that you do have a special relationship with these beings. Yeah. Do you know how often people call me lucky at an art show or in a gallery? People call me lucky all the time. You make your own luck. So many people are interested in how I do my photography, and that is certainly the most interesting part of my career. 
Another very interesting thing is to be a working artist who does art festivals, communicate and answer questions about your work a couple hundred days of the year. It's eye-opening. I think someone should do a documentary on full-time working artists. I think it's an untalked-about subject, and it's fascinating. And the people I meet out on the art festival circuit are one of the most interesting group of people I've ever come across. The entrepreneurial part of it, the independent spirit of not wanting to work for anyone else, and a lot of creative individuals. It's almost like being in the circus. You are in a new city every weekend. Lately, I've been at the Artisan's Market a lot, but I've been on the road for four of the last five weeks at art festivals. And it is quite an interesting way to make a living and interact with lots of people and see different people's reactions to your work. In the past, we've talked a little bit about not just the photography end of the animals, but the places I go and the things I do. It's probably not what people think. A lot of people over-romanticize what it is I do. Like so many people say, oh, I'd love to go out with you. And most of those people would probably be bored to tears or very disappointed. The percentage of times I get close to something. I think that's why it would be a cool documentary. You know who we're sitting next to? Yeah, we got to do that someday, Gary. Something very exciting for you is you have a book coming out. I do. When is that coming? If all goes as planned, May 3rd. May 3rd. Mm -hmm. Okay. A lot has to happen between now and May 3rd, but I've given myself a deadline and I'm confident that it's going to happen. Summer release. That's right. And what's the book called? Wild Animals in Wild Places. Cool, man. It's going to be beautiful. I pre-ordered my copy. Thanks, Mark. I got my free calendar with the bobcat on the front. Bam. That's one of our local bobcats. Speaking of local bobcats and wildlife, a lot of stuff going on around here with animals getting a lot closer to us for a variety of reasons. Has that played into your local photography at all? Definitely black bears for sure. I've gotten more good black bear images in the last year than I have probably the 10 years prior, even right in Lithia Park. Wow. I was on the news because of some black bear photos I took. Channel 12 interviewed me and they put the images up on the big screen for everyone to see. It was pretty cool. So black bears for sure. Lately, I've tried, if you can call it that, to see one of our mountain lions. I've been cruising the university and the roads around there before dawn, just in my vehicle, going up and down the road with my brights on. Kind of a random way to do it, but sightings have been so frequent that I figured, what the hell? I almost think it'd be cool to get a mountain lion on SOU's campus. I'm probably the one person in Ashland who's dying to see a mountain lion more than anyone else. What other animals have you been able to capture around here? Oh, all sorts of stuff. Screech owls, great horned owls, deer, of course. I still get excited when I see a deer. It sounds so silly because I've seen so much cool stuff. A couple times, we've had a deer walking down our street in front of our house. My son and I grab our cameras and go running out there. I love it. I can't imagine anything like the relationship that you have with your subjects. When I do an art festival, I write about every image hanging on the wall. I found that people really love reading the backstories of images. I think it's helped my business. It helps people spend more time in my booth and promotes conversation. Over the course of the last couple of years, I've started to take a lot more pride in what I'm writing, where maybe at first it was kind of a chore to write the backstory, where now I've realized it's an opportunity and it's another outlet of creativity for me. And this book is gonna show that. I'm hoping this book is the biggest best thing I've done to date. I'm self-publishing it. You know, I have people helping me financially and creatively. So 
I'm excited. I had a meeting with a book publisher a few years ago, and when it was all laid out and spelled out in front of me, I still had to put some of the money out. And for the life of me, couldn't understand what they were doing for me. And I couldn't also understand how little money I was gonna actually get from months of work to create the book. I left there completely confused, and I think it was a pretty standard book deal. I've been researching making a book for quite some time, and I've met several different people who've come at it from different approaches, and most approaches suck. I'm gonna be very proud of this book when it's done because it will have been paid for by myself, grants, and people who've invested in me, like you, when you pre-order the book, and it's gonna be mine. I market myself 200 days a year already. I don't need someone to market me. The book pre-sale campaign, which is still going on and hopefully will continue to succeed, How'd you get a grant? The Haynes Foundation. Lloyd Haynes here? Lloyd Haynes. My third grant from Lloyd Haynes. I've applied three times and I've gotten a grant every time. I apply every other year because I don't want to get greedy. But he's helped me do a few things. I bought a bunch of camera equipment to teach kids photography in the field. I still do that. Two grants ago, I got a projector and a laptop and a screen to go to kids' classrooms and teach them about wildlife and wildlife photography. And then this time he is supporting the book. I can't say enough good things about the guy. Every year, anyone who gets a grant, there's a big thing at Ashland Springs Hotel, and he walks through, and you know, I got to thank him. He puts his money and his heart where his mouth is. Are you still doing these programs at the schools? Yeah, still doing programs in schools. Now is my quiet season for art shows and whatnot. I'll be going to my kids' classrooms and a few other teachers I know. I love doing it. I not only love showing kids what our local wildlife is all about, but I like getting kids thinking about what their career could be because I'm someone who just followed this strange path. And I think so many people in the world never find out what they're passionate about and they never go figure out how to do it. And it could be done. Some people aren't even looking. They just do what they think they're supposed to do in life. It's the opposite Seinfeld episode. <laughs> Do you remember the episode? Yes. Okay, that's it. Do the opposite of what your instincts are. If you're unhappy with your life and the results that you're getting based on what you do every day, if you want change, you got to make change. It's not just going to happen. You have to physically, emotionally, intellectually make that happen. I like the theory. Well, you're raising children. I'm excited about your raising children. You're following your dream, your passion, and you're sharing that with them. Yeah. My kids think their dad who sets up at art shows and goes looking for animals, there's nothing abnormal about what I do at all. And I've explained to them, I'm doing what I love and how lucky I am to do it. And I do think that lesson rubs off. Quit the family food business in Chicago and take a long shot. It can be done. How old are your children now? Eight and 10. What are their names? Savannah and Forrest, the ecosystems. Right. How are they doing? Great. How do they do in school? I'm gonna try hard not to brag here, Mark, but they love school, their teachers love them, they got lots of friends. I get very excited about their athleticism. They're both very good athletes. And you've been married how long? 17 years. Wow. Yeah. What's your wife's name? Patty. She's a hospice nurse. She got you your camera, right? She did. She got you going. She did. And she kept me going when I was losing money, when everything just sucked and I had no future as a wildlife photographer. Even to this day, she needs to uh, be my cheerleader once in a while. It's awesome that you've figured that all out, that you're both getting that stuff from each other that you need. Love her more than anything. 
I think we break your mold of people moving to Ashland and getting divorced. I don't see it happening in my case. Gary's another one. Yeah. He's also been married for a long time and has built a beautiful life. And that's, again, the few people that I know that are still married. Yeah, I would do anything for my wife. She's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Tell me about the last amazing shooting trip you had. Definitely have a new series of coyote images. I had a couple great days in the Klamath Basin photographing coyotes. Probably my best coyote images ever. I had a great experience pursuing one on foot. Typically, I, I don't pursue coyotes on foot. It just doesn't work. They're too fearful of humans, and I don't blame them. I think we touched on that on the last show. But this particular one, I was photographing it from my car for quite some time. You know, if I see something on one of these gravel roads, I'll just kill the engine and... A lot of times they'll accept a vehicle, they just don't accept a human form. This one was close enough to me where it knew there was a person in this vehicle, but just for whatever reason chose to go about his business, which was mostly trying to catch voles, which I did end up seeing it catch a couple voles. So it's just hunting and doing its thing. And God, I was with it. It seemed like forever, a good 20 minutes. And slowly it kind of trotted out of my view. And instead of moving my car, I'm like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get out of the car and I'm gonna really encounter with this animal. He does not seem fearful or anything. I'm like, this is just really unusual. It was practically dark. The sun had dipped below the mountains, but it was probably technically not sunset. So it wasn't great light, but you know, still workable. And I almost didn't care. I just wanted to continue this encounter. So anyhow, I probably get, I don't know, maybe a hundred yards away from my vehicle and this coyote is aware that I'm there and it's still acting very naturally and it would look at me and it would look away and it would start sniffing around some bushes again and you know this went on for several minutes and then all of a sudden it looked at me and started trotting toward me and then I... <laughs> It was very unexpected. I've had coyotes do kind of unusual things. I think I told you about the one who sat down like a dog for me, but this was slightly different. It wasn't an aggressive, like I'm coming to eat you, Dan, but it like took a few steps toward me and then it stopped and then it took a few more steps. And then I'm like, you know, I think I better get back in my vehicle because I don't want this close of an experience. I don't think this coyote's coming to, to get me, but it's making me a little uncomfortable and I don't want this coyote to be imprinted on me as a person and think that being around people like me is a good idea. So that's what I did. I didn't hightail it back to the car, but I started moving back toward the car. Turned around, took a few more shots. I don't know what his intent was, but I do know that I got some amazing close-up portraits. Awesome animal. He's really dark individual. Coyotes, they're all a little different, just like anything in appearance and personality-wise. Something I'll never forget. It's so profound. Very rarely do I pat myself on the back over an image, but I feel like I really captured this individual coyote. I'm really excited about the photo. You know, it's interesting. I've seen so much wildlife photography, you know, books, magazines. You can tell when an animal is a captive animal versus a wild animal, a lot of times by their body shape. I could even look deeper than that. When man starts interfering or keeping animals in cages and then posing them for pictures or putting them in movies, the animals look fat and shitty and out of shape. Do you know that I can go to a place in Montana or in Washington or probably in Oregon, but there's a famous one in Montana. I could pay 500 bucks or a thousand bucks and I can photograph snow leopards, mountain lions, bobcats, bald eagles. They'll pose them for you in these perfect places with these majestic snow-capped peaks behind them. There's a lot of phony wildlife photography out there. I had no idea. Yeah. Can you spot it when you see it? 
I think I could spot it probably 99% of the time now. Wow. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that bobcat image on the front of the calendar, mm -hmm. you know what I don't like about that image? Mm. It's almost too good to be true. I've never had a bobcat sprawl out on a tree in front of me and relax on that level. So that was my biggest knock on that photo. My wife thought I was crazy, of course. Most people think it's crazy, but that's my slam on that. But the difference is you have a narrative to go with it. You can actually talk about your experience that led up to that. I love the word phony when it applies. Yeah, it's a lot phony. of phoniness in the world. Yeah, <laughs> and we need you so we can see what's real. Yeah. I see and observe wild animals wherever I go. I, I never really turn it off. And even if I don't have my camera on me. Well, yesterday we did a family walk, Patty and the kids and I and the two dogs. And took a super long walk. We're throwing a football. It's just this great family thing. And we're at a park throwing a ball for the dogs. And all of a sudden this red tail hawk starts flying toward us. And it was really low, and I could tell already, like, this is going to be a really good close-up sighting. My wife was the one who initially saw it, and then I locked my eyes on it. And as it got closer, we realized it had a mouse in its talons. And this hawk flew so close to us. You know, I'm grateful my kids at least respect and like what their dad does enough. Well, they'll stop and listen when I'm pointing something out. And all four of us just gawked as this hawk just flew right past us and we could see the mouse was still alive. The tail was moving, and this hawk was so close, and it was such a vivid, close flyby. And for 15 or 20 seconds, there was complete silence with all four of us, and then it was over. But it was one of the many magical things about a walk with my family. I latch on to those little memories. There's red-tailed hawks all over the place. If people choose to slow down and pay attention and look, you don't even have to look that hard to find a red-tailed hawk. And it's a magnificent raptor right amongst us. Sometimes it's nice not to have my camera in my hand. Because when I have my camera in my hand, a lot of times I get distracted because I want to get the image. And when I don't have my camera, there is no distraction. It's just taking it in. How often does that happen where you're out and you do have these sightings, you have these experiences when you're not walking around with your camera? Quite often. My camera is not something I could fit in my shirt pocket. It's big, heavy, and awkward to carry. And sometimes I don't want to carry it around because I don't want to worry about it. I know it's a bitch to carry your stuff it around is. more than anything. And sometimes I don't want to carry it around because I don't want to worry about it. I don't know if you've seen them on Facebook. There's this new gear that you wear that's specifically for wildlife photography. Really? Oh, yeah. I'd like to see it. I don't pay much attention to gear unless I'm looking to buy something. I'm not a big gearhead. Most photographers are. Most photographers love gadgets and gear. I just know it's a bitch to carry your stuff it around is. more than anything. And this would be something that would lighten your load so you have quick access. You don't have to worry about it in your hands all the time. That's probably a thing. There's times an image passes me by because I'm not prepared. It happens a lot. You have images of hawks? Yeah, it's one of my favorite subjects. When I was starting in Chicago, one of my only subjects were hawks, red tails in particular. They're a very common, adaptable hawk. You find them in all sorts of habitats, including cities. They're an accessible animal to photograph. Just because it's accessible and common doesn't make it any less spectacular. Your family back in Chicago, what do they think of your career? Oh, they're all behind it. We're like the weird family who moved out of the Midwest. Everyone's still in Chicago. Is your dad still around? Nope, dad's dead. Is your mom still around? She's around, okay. she's doing well. 
She's a big supporter of what I'm doing, for sure. She always wants reports when I'm at shows and stuff. She likes to know how the business is doing. She likes the photography, but she's not like a wildlife lover. But she loves that I love it. She doesn't like it when I'm photographing bobcats and coyotes or bears. She thinks I'm going to get eaten, which I won't. Don't worry, Mom. Other than, like, the rattlesnakes, I've never been in real danger. That shot is now in my son's bedroom. Is it? Yeah. Maybe this winter we'll do the trip. Maybe you, your son, and I could go over to the Klamath. He'd be blown away. You know what a dumb thing adults do with kids? I've been guilty of it in the past. We give our kids crummy stuff to experiment and learn on. I play guitar, and I want my kids to play guitar. So I don't want to buy him a really nice guitar off the bat because I don't want to waste the money. So then I hand him a guitar that's got really high action that won't stay in tune. And then it's a bad experience for him. Then they get frustrated and they don't want to play it. Same thing if you hand a kid a substandard camera that doesn't take a sharp image. They go out and they take a bunch of photographs and they're all a little soft. And then they get frustrated and then they drop it. So that is something I've definitely tried to correct with my kids. And it's just an observation in general because we don't know if our kids are going to fully commit to a new hobby. I don't want to buy my kid a Martin guitar, but give him something quality with a camera, with a guitar, whatever it is. Otherwise, you know, a lot of times they're just going to drop it before they even get a real crack at it. Right. Is Baby It's Cold Outside a rapey song to you? Have you heard that one lately? Is it a what song? A rapey song. Have you heard this whole controversy? You know the song, Baby, It's Cold Outside? Yeah, the old song? Yeah. Yeah, what about it? Well, radio stations are stopping playing it now. Because because, it's what? Because they think that guy is trying to coerce her into staying in that house with him instead of her going home. Yeah, it's in the movie Elf. It's all over the news now. I, I just feel like it's absurd. Culture has changed, and I, I, I don't know. <laughs> We're going to do a little exercise here. All right. I want you to think about your right hand. When you feel something in your right hand, raise your left hand. Think about your left foot. When you feel something in your left foot, raise your right hand. Has anybody ever shown you that before? No. Well, you did read about it. You just don't remember. I feel like I'm the, and I know it's not true but I feel like I'm the only one who remembers this from the power of now. Hmm. I put on headphones and went into a very deep, almost psychotropic experience listening to him. You just demonstrated effortlessly without any preliminary instruction how to move your energy at will, wherever you want, right? You thought about your hand and your hand tingled because you actually put energy where you thought. So think about all the energy and how we misuse it irresponsibly. We literally destroy each other with it and ourselves. Agreed. If you were a little kid and you learned that in school and then you worked with that for 10 or 15,000 hours, Harry Potter would look like nothing compared to what we could do. That was a demonstration of this potential that we have not explored and do not show each other. The guy wrote a book and showed us how to do it. I could read the book five times and probably take away something new every time. I retained it. And part of the reason I've retained it is I do this with a lot of people because it's not just for me. Every human has this potential, this magic inside them. If it takes 10,000 hours to master something, what could you do with this power that you now have? Bam. So what's your next trip? My usual winter in Klamath. One of my favorite spots. I always talk about Klamath. I love that entire area, which also encompasses Tule Lake, Lava Beds National Monument. In the wintertime, that is a very magical place. I go to the Wild Goose Motel. 
in Merrill, Oregon. At the Wild Goose Motel, you're not allowed to pluck any ducks in the rooms. They have a duck cleaning station in the back of the motel. I think there's maybe six rooms. It's like the tiniest, coolest little spot. Oh. I just love that place. It's in Merrill, which is one of the smallest towns in Oregon that I know of. The biggest shop in Merrill is a quilting store. It's like the town centerpiece. There's a couple of restaurants, there's one little bar, there's a gas station, and then there's this massive quilting epicenter. I brought my sister from Chicago there. We drove all the way over there just to show her the store, and she said it was the biggest quilting store she'd ever seen. Did she buy anything? She bought a bunch of stuff. Huh. It's almost two hours from here. What's the population there? Gosh, a few hundred. Yeah, there's nothing to it, but I love it. To me, it's like an escape from Ashland. I go over there and I get up two hours before sunrise. I don't get back to my room till two hours after sunset. Sometimes I'll take a midday nap depending on where I'm at, but uh, I love it. It's my thing. You ever take people up there with you? Sometimes. I've taken a few artisans over there. I feel like so many people in Ashland and this Rogue Valley don't know the magic that is so close to here. Some people might not think it's magical, but if I could show people a few bald eagles and a great horned owl and a handful of coyotes and who knows what else, get them within a few feet of a red-tailed hawk, I think that really resonates with people, even a casual wildlife observer. I love doing that, actually. That's why I'm going to take you and your son over there for a day trip. That's one of the best wildlife viewing areas in the lower 48. That'd be awesome. No, I think we'd have a grand time. Agreed. I'm excited about your book coming out. That's really great. There's going to be several weeks of intensive book stuff happening. You have a website? Elsterphotography.com. Elsterphotography.com. Bam. Is that E-L-S-T-E-R photography.com? Yeah. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram. And then you do the Lithia Artisans Market like 10 months out of the year or something like that? I'm there all the time. And that's right here in Ashland, Oregon on that, the weekends? That's right here in Ashland. and do art shows throughout the year. Can people yeah. buy your work from your website? They can. They can order right there with a awesome. credit card. They can email me. I make it really easy for people to purchase and collect my work. My daughter, I believe, has three of your images on her wall. Nice. And my favorite is the owl that says, think. Isn't that ridiculous? It's ridiculous. That's going in the book. And there's going to be a few other images of that owl and that sign, almost like supporting images. That's one of those images people question, is it authentic? So this is going to be my chance to show a little more backstory of that photo. Yeah. Have you ever seen the deer underneath the relax sign? Yes. Uh, it's a very slow developing series, Mark, of animals in ironic situations with signs. Those two images are both in different backyards that we've lived in. Now we're in a third backyard that there is no image. I'm just waiting for something to happen. Okay. So the owl on the think sign was in 2010. And then the deer underneath the relax sign, he's laying down in the grass and like a couple of my kids' balls are next to him. And he's just laying there underneath the sign that says relax. That was in 2013. And we had been in that house about a year. And you've been in your new place how long? Two years, man. So okay. I'm waiting for something to fucking happen. Okay. Animals. Well, you know, it's always when you least expect it. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And you never expect it, do you? No. You hope for it. You don't expect it. I hope it. for things and I don't expect things. Yeah. yeah. It's good to catch up with you on this uh, 2.0 version of Dan Elster on Citizen 44 with Mark Ahrensberg. I'm glad to do your show, Mark. I love your show. Thank you. I wish you continued success. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.
How's it going, Rachel? Hey, how are you? Super. What's happening over there in SoCal? Well, it's raining, and we're just doing some cleaning of the house and some separating donation items from people that donated. Talking to you about the power of a shower that we talked about several months ago. You have made some progress. Yep. Let's just go back. I don't know what the show number was, but you came on and you were putting together a proposal to develop a program called The Power of a Shower. Yep, that is correct. At that time, you were going to outfit buses to go around the greater Los Angeles area with this magnanimous gesture of offering a way for homeless people to get clean, get some clothes, and feel a little bit of love. Yep, and just for purposes of the power of a shower, we always refer to our guests as our houseless neighbors. We are following the model of Lava May and trying to eliminate the word homeless because their home is wherever they land, but they don't have houses, they don't have housing. The last time we spoke, we had filed the 501c3, and since then, a lot has transpired. I think we've gone through the training program with Lava May the last time I spoke to you, and then since then, we have received a donation of a trailer, a fully fabricated trailer. Each has a toilet, a sink, and a shower. Hot running water, and one of the cells is an ADA cell for anybody who's disabled that needs a ramp they could get up there with a wheelchair. We had our first fundraiser two weeks ago. Daryl Evans of the Los Angeles team posted it on our behalf, and we had about 100 people, and we had a silent auction, and at the end of the day, we raised just over $9,000, which was fantastic. As a result of receiving this trailer, we have decided we really need to pick up speed on figuring out what it is that we're doing. So we are shadowing Lava May every Thursday during our shower service in Venice Beach here in California. The address is one rose where the Venice Beach parking lot is. We go at 8.30 in the morning and we drop a line down to the sewer. We get shower service up and running. Aaron and I have gone now, this was our fifth time, but it was our second time in a row, Thursdays in a row. And we are showering on average between 30 and 40 guests per day. There's nothing like the look on their face when they come out. They're washing off not only dirt and urine and everything else that they end up getting all over themselves, but they walk out washing off their troubles even for just 15 minutes. They get 15 minutes in a bathroom to get a hot shower into the bathroom and just do whatever they need to do. There's really nothing like it. So everything's going great. We will be transitioning Wapenmay out of their location in Venice. We will be wheels to the ground for sure. All the permitting and everything is being transferred over right now to the power of a shower. And then on May 1st, we will take over the Wanda Rose location in Venice every Thursday. Our goal will be to address our houseless neighbors and treat them with a lot of hospitality and as guests at our showers throughout all the beach cities in Southern California. That's our goal. We have a trailer now. And we're working on a truck, and we will be actively offering showers as part of a shower on May 1st. Very cool. Again, this is Rachel Sunday. She's my sister. She lives in Southern California. Obviously, a, a very concerned and active citizen. We just met in Southern California for our mother's 80th birthday. And you had talked about the fact that you were going down to Venice Beach and handing out socks. Well, yeah, I want to give them a plug, too. So it's Stella's socks, that's S-T-E-L-L-A apostrophe S. 
Stella's Fox was founded by Stella. She's 15 now. She goes to Santa Monica High School. And she started handing out socks in Venice Beach. And as a result of her passing out socks and reaching out to Bombas Socks, and for those of you that don't know Bombas, I think they got their start on Shark Tank. And their initiative was for every purchase of a pair of socks, they would donate a pair of socks. And I know Bombas has donated 10 million pairs of socks. And Stella, and Stella's socks here in Southern California, are the largest distributor of the donated Bombas socks. They are currently receiving 250,000 pairs of socks per year. And I know Bombas is expecting them to double that. So we are partnering up with Stella's socks, and they are helping us provide socks. So that is amazing, and I want to thank Stella and her dad, Jonathan, and Emmy, who brought us into Stella's after the opportunity. That was a lot of fun last weekend, passing out the clock, and it was certainly good for Aaron and I to do it because two days after we did shower service, it gave us an opportunity to reconnect with some of the people we offered shower service to. I know that they love having volunteers. A lot of the volunteers are kids. Stella has a little brother named Oscar. He's 12. And we were passing out socks together, and there was a black man playing a trumpet standing on a grass hill right outside of the skate park on Venice Beach. And Oscar walked up to him, and he didn't want to interrupt him, so he just stood there and kind of waited, and the, the man paused, and Oscar says, you know, would you like a pair of socks? He took the socks, and Oscar asked him how long had he been playing trumpet. And the man said, four years. And then he bent down to Oscar and said, I wish I would have started earlier. I love playing the trumpet. He said, all I can tell you is, whatever your passion is, go after it and go after it hard. As we walked away, Oscar turned to me and he goes, now I want to learn trumpet. You are definitely taking the steps. And I just want to say thank you. I'm honored that someone in my family is doing such big work that needs to be done. and. My whole feeling about the world is I just want to leave it better than when I got here. Yes, me too. I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk about it because it is definitely not anything that's going away anytime soon. And by hearing about it, just for anybody else that's out there, it doesn't matter where you are, Lava May has a replication program where they will actually train you on how to do exactly what we're doing. That's how we learned is through Lava May. And if you contact them, you can get in touch with the replication program. Their goal is to scale for the greater good that everybody gets showers, and they're willing to teach anybody how to do what they do. They've already gone through all the trials and tribulations. They really have done a lot to put a really great program together. So I would just say for anybody else who's listening that's interested in doing something like this, you can get help by doing it, and all you would need to do is call Rob and May. Pretty awesome. Yeah, that's super cool. Thanks again, Rachel. Much love to you. Uh, appreciate everything that you're doing. And we'll keep checking in to see how things are progressing. Awesome. Okay, love you too. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, Gary. Mark, good morning. Well, we have this incredible view out the window here on uh, 238 East Main and you could see the accumulation. Did you even watch me weathering that weather? Did you see me trudge through the snow to the co-op? No, because you were busy working on your movie. Yeah, you know, the view is spectacular. Sometimes I'm tempted to look out the window, but I've been busy. What have you been busy doing? We are finishing this movie, Phoenix, Oregon. 
We are working on the poster and the trailer right now, getting ready for its world premiere. Super exciting. I actually watched the trailer before I went out into the snow. The trailer's awesome. I know you're pretty close to being done with it. It looks like it's going to be a super fun movie. We're really proud of it. This is our fourth movie, and hopefully we're getting better at this filmmaking thing. We really set out to make a movie that would really entertain and have sort of a shelf life kind of movie you can go back to and watch a lot. Because it's both funny and meaningful, at least to us. You got some pretty cool actors that came out and worked with you on this. We did. You know, the casting process is always fun and tricky and exciting because you start having real artists, human beings in the flesh that take on these people that were just words at one point. And it's a fun process of fleshing out a movie. And they become the movie. Can't say enough about our cast. The movie's about this sort of ragtag group of adults who are middle-aged, backs against the wall, and they quit their jobs and make an effort to open the bowling alley pizzeria in town and through the process have hopefully a new lease on life and happiness. Give us some names. Uh, Well, Lisa Edelstein, terrific actor. You've probably seen her on Netflix shows. James Lee Groh, who's been a longtime hero of mine, great independent film actor. Jesse Perego, who's just terrific in the film. He plays Carlos, who sort of is the catalyst, trying to have his own kitchen and make his own pizzas after working for other restaurants his whole life. Kevin Corrigan, an actor I've admired for so long. He's funny in the movie and really brings a comic relief in the part of the bowling mechanic. Diedrich Bader, another terrific actor. Hats off to Louis Rodriguez, who helped produce the movie. He plays Rudy in it. He's a local actor here. Also Jai, who plays Blade in the kitchen. We have a great cast. We like to pull talent from LA and also cast as many local talent as we can. And that goes for our crew too. And you work with the same people on just about every project, which is nice. You've got kind of this family that gets together and supports you on your projects. It's become a lot of fun where we all know each other so well that it makes our collaboration really efficient. We all trust each other. That's Patrick, our DP, our composer, John, our sound mixer, David, top to bottom, all the crew people. And of course, my wife and I, we own Joma Films together and we've been collaborating on film projects for a long time. And it makes it fun and perhaps more successful for the kinds of budgets we're working with. The film's gonna be playing all over Oregon via coming attractions theaters in the Northwest, into California. We're gonna be booking PACs, performing arts centers with our good friend Rich Reese, do events all over the country. And that'll happen in conjunction with theatrical release at the movie theaters in these cities. Super exciting, man. I know this is number four. You're on Citizen 44. There's fours happening for you. Good omen. Yeah. Again, I've seen the trailer. It looks super fun. And I'm really excited for April to come around so I can check out what you did. Thanks, Mark. I'm very excited. I appreciate you plugging the the film and bringing me on. And hope that uh, all of your listeners get to see the movie at some point. This is a regional film about Phoenix, Oregon. That's the title of the movie. It's a Northwest regional kind of independent film. Well, we love Southern Oregon and all of us are gonna come out and support you. 
I can't wait, Mark. Thanks, Thanks. Gary. Thank you, sir. We're all living in a simulation. Some alien race out there using our misery for entertainment. How's the comic book going? It's languishing unfinished. You don't have time because you're working your ass off at Kyle's terrible restaurant. 359, Bob. Cutting it close. You should be grateful that you have a job. Grateful. Maybe I'll join you. <laughs> I feel like I'm 14 again. Drawing comics and needing a ride home. Close your eyes for a minute. I want you to visualize what you'll be doing 10 years from now. Are you serious? I think you've lost your mind. No, you're not visualizing it, buddy. Come on, close your eyes. Don't close my eyes anymore. I feel like an idiot. You could roll. I remember. It's completely useless talent. Rising Phoenix. Come for the pizzas. Oh, my God. Stay for the bowling. Your aliens made you do that strike. It's my destiny, Bobby. I know it is. Imagine being an owner, drawing your comics whenever you want. Oh, man. Serious? That's what I'm talking about! Ooh. Bobby? My partner, Carlos, makes this delicious dough with his hands. Yes. I got 300 scores before, but nobody ever put my pictures in the papers. You should enter our grand opening tournament. You haven't even seen me roll, Hoffie. You haven't seen the action on my ball. Mario put his money in, too. He's right to ask questions. I'm his proxy. I've been helping you for months. You've been helping Mario. You are a paranoid little child. I don't know what to say, Bill. Leaving a lot of money on the table. Nice going. You're going down. Not your fault. Well. If it's not my fault, then it's Tanya's. If it's not Tanya's fault, then it's the aliens. You need to take care of yourself, Bobby. I am fine. I am a grown woman. These could be the best years of your life. Do you realize that? Visualize. <sighs> this is what I live for, Poffy. Frame 10. These two geniuses are opening up a pizza parlor slash bowling alley. It's classy. Phoenix, Oregon. What's happening, baby? <laughs> Getting ready to play a show in Hotchkiss, Colorado, which is a week from tomorrow at a little art center called the Creamery. And the next morning, I get on a plane and head to Sacramento to visit my dad. And then I go up to Ashland to work with Sylvia and start recording a new album. When, what, what, when is that date? <laughs> I arrive in Ashland the evening of March 12th. Be there through the evening of March 19th. Okay, it sounds like a big fun time about to happen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, ultimately, we'll be recording 12 songs this year in sessions. I mean, I'd love to do four albums because I have, you know, over 50 songs, but realistically, that's not gonna happen. But we can do 12 and Sylvia's made me a great deal. What's going on in Telluride? Is there snow? There's a lot of snowpack. It's probably maybe six feet of accumulation, but it does get warm in between the snowfalls and some of that melt. Currently, it's snowing just a little bit, but the town is loving it, you know, as opposed to last year when they had to make snow, artificial snow, and they couldn't open the whole mountain. And 
this year, all the hotels are happy, the restaurants are happy, the stores are happy, and the tourists are happy. I'm hoping we get the same kind of thing because we've had a pretty significant winter and we're hoping that all this snowpack and moisture keeps fires and smoke at bay. Yes, absolutely. Yesterday, I was out in a t-shirt and sweats for about an hour reading the sixth Harry Potter book, which I just finished today. And it was spectacular outside. The sun was just baking, but it was nice and crisp (laughs) and clear out on the deck at Rich's reading. So good, so good, very good. (laughs) By the way, that's all good. The whole me and Rich in a place over there and also over here at the office. Pretty, 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 pretty excellent. Fantastic, Neato. Yeah. And is our friend Mitch on his way in Nashville? Is how's he doing? Do you know? Mitchy Mitch Mitch Mills. Mitch is in the process of putting some kind of collaborative musical thing together. I think he found a drummer, maybe a bass player. And so that's all in development. That's very kind of you to ask about Mr. Mitch Mills. You know that guy's from Mount Pilot? Remember that from uh, Andy Griffith's show, Mount Pilot? Right. How is Suzanne? What's happening with her documentary? Oh, there's lots of groovy things happening. You know, she's the Shelly Wright Mountain Film Festival creative director, and she and her team are watching, I think there's over 500 movies that have been submitted where they have to narrow it down to 150. So there's lots of rejection, and I'm watching a lot of them and learning from her. You know, even in a documentary, it has to have an arc has to have a story, has to have tension and resolve and all those things. And then her movie that she's making called Massacre River about the Dominican-Haitian citizenship struggle was picked up by PBS about a year ago and funded her to finish it. They have their version done, ready for broadcast, but it won't be released till next year's broadcast schedule. But she's free to promote her version of it through the film festival circuit. And she just got accepted to Hot Dogs, which is one of the top three or four documentary festivals, I think, in the world. So that'll be her world premiere, which is in April. I did see the film, and she did a great job. Yeah. Suzanne Barraza, who's your lovely wife, who is this award-winning documentary filmmaker, she made a movie called Bagot several years ago that completely influenced how I behave as a modern human being in the plastic world. And uh, I know there was some mention of a follow-up movie, potentially. Is there any more talk about that? Just within the last few months, there has been the founder and the higher-ups at Patagonia reached out to her, actually, about getting a discussion about what would it look like to do a second updated Baggett movie. And so she's contemplating that now. Cool. All right, Doug, I appreciate you taking the call. I'm excited about your show. It's coming up on March 9th, and it's where again? The Creamery Art Center in Hotchkiss, Colorado. Okay. Well, I'm sorry I'm going to miss the show, but if uh, any of you people are out there traveling through that area, stop and check out Doug's show. He's a pretty entertaining dude. I can vouch for that. Much love to you, Lucky Doug Fergus, and uh, thanks for all that you've brought to the show. Groovy, much love to you, my friend. Bye. Bye, baby.
that's the show. I hope you enjoyed it. It was really great to be uh, back at it after taking a couple of months break, a little hiatus. But it's good to be back on my game and connecting with great people. And uh, I'd like to thank some of those great people that made this fun show, starting with my mom and dad. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. It was great to come to L.A. and spend a little time celebrating my mom's 80th birthday. I want to thank Dan Elster, of course, for uh, doing the show a second time. He's a great guy. It was a lot of fun chatting with him, getting caught up. Check out his book. Go to his website, elsterphotography.com. I want to thank my sister, Rachel Sunday, for uh, giving us an update on her nonprofit, The Power of a Shower, and uh, keeping us abreast of all the great stuff that she's doing. I want to thank Lucky Doug Fergus, a good man, a big contributor to the show, and uh, good luck on your show. I want to thank Rich Reese, my producer, friend, roommate, buddy, all those things. Good guy. I want to thank my other roomie over here, Gary Lundgren. Check out his movie, Phoenix, Oregon. You heard for the first time anywhere his trailer. Check out Phoenix, Oregon when it comes out next month, April. For updates on Phoenix, Oregon, visit Gary online at Facebook, Gary Lundgren or Phoenix, Oregon, or check him out at jomafilms.com. That's J-O-M-A films.com. I want to personally thank you for listening to the show, and I plan on continuing on till the break of dawn. If you want to listen to any of the archive shows, you can visit CastBox, Stitcher, and iTunes. You can also go to Aaronsberg.com, that's A-R-I-N-S-B-E-R-G.com, and listen to all the shows, all 64, in their entirety. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. A special shout-out to Lucky Doug, and a thank you for allowing me to use Departure Family at the end of all my shows. Thanks, baby. To find out more about what's happening with Lucky Doug, check him out online at LuckyDoug.com. Thank you, Sam, Zoe, and Val. If whatever you're doing is not working, there's only one way you can change that, and that's to change what you do, 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 change what you do. I am Citizen 44. Wow.